Hey, mate. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, just having a beer, mate. Mate, it is 10.30 and we're recording an episode. We're about to record an episode. I don't see the problem. You don't see a problem with mate, opening a beer? It's, it's, what even are you drinking? It's Colonial Pale Ale. They're the, the new sponsor of the show, mate. So of course, Are they? Yeah. Do you don't think I can drink beer being an athlete? No, well, yeah, you're allowed. You're allowed, allowed that one. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll allow one for you. A one. Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna have one now. Have a look at that. We are about to record too, you know that. So just it'll it relaxes be, you, do you reckon? It'll be a better podcast, I reckon. Yeah, better one. Yeah. Better with the pale ale. Thanks to Colonial Brewing Co. for sponsoring the pod today. Thank you, Colonial. For those of you who may not know, it's pros and cons time. <laughs> Mr. Smith? Hey, who's that? David Zakopakarakis. Wrong. How the bloody hell do you say that? Zakopakarakis! Pros and cons. What is going on, everybody? Quarantine version of the pros and the cons. <laughs> Thanks for having me in the uh, in the theatre room, mate. Yeah, no worries. Well, it's work, so we can um, when it's work, you can you can do one on one, can't you? Yes, you can. Yes. We're we're keeping a safe social distance. We're on the, I'm on the other side of the couch. Close yes, enough to. Yes. Uh, how how are you going, mate? It's been what three, about three and a half weeks of lockdown. I know it's been pretty crazy, and I think from the outset, I think we'll say going forward with our pod. Yep. Not really planning on being a, a uh, coronavirus updating no. Uh, no, we're episode. Not. So if you want to tune in for that sort of stuff, maybe just check the news out, I reckon. Go to the project or yes. something. We're still <laughs> running our normal program normal. with our guests on. So we'll try to avoid it at all costs. It's probably going to come up because we happen to be sitting in your lounge room now. Yep. Um, lovely uh, lovely artwork on the wall there by Danielle. We finally get to see it. Yes, we got the artwork up with... Uh, with uh, Morgan Freeman, The Rock, and uh, Denzel. Yes. It's, uh, it's looking great. Those who don't know, Danielle uh, was on the podcast early days. Episode two. Episode two. Yep. And you got finally got her to do something in the house. Yes. Looks insane. Yes. I have I put up on my Instagram, I think. So Yeah. We might post it on the Pros and the Cons Instagram yep. so you can have a look as well. Yep. Um, but yeah, we're here, mate. This is, uh, this is interesting. It's been, a, it's been an interesting yep. couple of weeks. Yeah. So we're... Um, we're not doing uh, not doing too much in terms of uh, contact hours at the club. Obviously, we're doing zero. So we, uh, yeah, we're just kind of training. Um, some guys are picking up more uni courses. Uh, some guys are doing I don't know um, work with their parents, like all all different kind of stuff. So um, I'm uh, I've just been yeah around home training, uh, keeping up to date with that. Um, as I'm sure you've seen on my social media, mate. Done lots done of, some sessions on that lots on, of bicycle on the girls. bike. Yeah, yeah, bicycle girls on the bike. Uh, doing a bit of uni work and uh, and kind of doing podcasts. So I've got this one um, that we're doing. Got the footy club one as well, which is going all right. Um, recording that later today as well. So we're uh, yeah, kind of kind of been busy more than more than um, not. And yeah, hopefully they can keep saying that way. This is the best time ever to be having Netflix and Disney Plus and all yes. these streaming services because what we're doing now is just sitting on the couch and watching TV. If you're not working, if you're lucky enough to still have a job, great. If you don't, a lot of people are just watching TV. How are you feeling in time? Yes, that's the that's question. That's how you feeling in yeah. time. So we're gonna we're gonna try to help with some of that throughout yes. this this uh, next next few weeks. We're gonna try to get some people on that that are gonna help us choose the best things to watch. Yep. How to work out at home, that sort of stuff. Maybe should get a book club guest on. Maybe one time. Get a book club guest. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> what, what books do you book, want to read? Book, well, yeah. there's only so much Netflix and Stan and Disney Plus you can watch. No, no, no you can we watch. Might have to get a book club guest on. Maybe there's more more <laughs> more episodes. I'll read you a chapter of Harry Potter on the podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that'll be that'll be riveting. Yeah, <laughs> give, give us your best Dumbledore. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's more hours on Netflix than any human being could possibly watch in their lifetime. So true. So I mean, that's if you want to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I mean, have you ever seen the movie Goon? No, Adam. Uh, not Adam. Um, what's Stifler's real name? Um, Sean William Scott. Yeah, Sean William Scott. If anyone out there has watched the movie Goon, Goon can you please write in? Because my housemate got me onto Goon the other night, and it's a it's a hockey movie about just him and he's like pretty much goes out there and bashes people on ice, and it's about an hour and a half. It's one of those old movies that goes for ninety minutes. Yeah. And it's like I want my ninety minutes back. Like it's, it's <laughs> oh, just a, I thought it was. <laughs> it's just a movie where he just goes out and just. It's a Canadian hockey league or whatever, and my housemate loves it. Like he used to play gridiron in America, and he froths it. And he was like, "Fuck yeah!" Every time there was a fight scene on, and mate, me and my other Tommy, my other housemate, were just sitting here going, "What the hell is this?" Like, so if anyone's seen it and actually enjoys it or likes the movie Goon, can you please uh, write us? So I, I thought you were giving people no, something to watch. Avoid Goon. You're saying don't watch Goon. Yeah, no. There's so many things to watch. I didn't even know that existed. I yeah. think there's plenty of other things. Yeah. No. One thing that you could watch. One of my favorite shows you could watch mm-hmm. is Entourage. Yes, I love it. So do I. My favorite show. For those who don't know, I have a, a business that is called Head On, which is named after Head On Media. Yep. Which is named after Vincent Chase's first film that he was in. Where are you? Are uh, where are you leading this chat right now? What have you got for the guests? Oh, nothing. Nothing that exciting. No, <laughs> we've got, got the, listeners. Come we on. We have the creator of Entourage on the episode today, Doug Allen, the man himself, all the way from. LA uh, during lockdown. He's in lockdown over there. We thought what better time for us with the podcast to be able to just get people that might not necessarily be able to get in person. Doug Allen, don't let's just not brush over that, mate. Let's stroke our ego a little bit here. You got well Doug done, Allen. well done to you. You've got Doug Allen, the creator writer of Entourage. Well, funny thing, follows us on Instagram. Yeah, well, follow so, well, follows me. Well, he I think I thought he followed <laughs> both of us. But he has liked our photos on Instagram. We shared a bunch of stuff of ours yes. and of mine, which yes. is exciting. And awesome. we, we have an interaction. We've had a few yeah. interactions before. So, yeah, we reached out and he's uh, very keen to come on today. And we're so Definitely. so pumped because, pumped, um, yeah, I mean, like he's a that, huge guest. And yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's a very funny guy. Yeah, I've, I've been watching that show since it probably came out 2005 oh, well, or something. 2005, Four. 2004, was yep. it? So I think I might have been a little little bit of a late starter yes, actually because I reckon yeah. I started it in uni, which is yes. probably 2006, six. You're old, yep. Um, I am old. Um, so I'm pumped, mate. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just definitely. went blank because I'm so nervous. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> the man's lived the life through Entourage for quite a few years. It's, yeah, it's going to be amazing. The amount of cameos that show has. Yes. So anyone who's an Entourage fan, and even if you're not, Listening because I know he's going to have some great stories. Let's get stuck um, into it, mate. Let's let's dial him in. Hey, Doug. Can you hear? Can us? you hear us? What's going on? Hey. Hey, <laughs> you doing, Doug? I look like I'm in some fucking weird uh, weird outfit here. <laughs> <laughs> Loving the onesies at the moment. <laughs> Where are you guys? Are you Australian? Yes, we're yes. in Melbourne. You're in Melbourne now. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. early for us. Well, not too early now. Not after nine o'clock in the morning. But yeah, how are you doing over there? You know, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm doing nothing. You know, just uh, <laughs> actually, it seems like it's crazy over there at the moment. I mean, honestly, I don't even know what it is at the moment. I haven't left my house in 
10 days. So it's just, <laughs> it's weird. Just I'm writing and eating a lot and you know, that's it. So how is it there? Yeah, pretty similar. We, we haven't left. I've, we've, we're recording. We're keeping our social distancing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. Well, yeah. One, 1. 1.5 meters for us here in Australia. So I think we're, we're close enough. We've been about uh, three weeks at it now. Three weeks. What's up with the fires? Fires are settled. They're, de- they're done. Thank God for that. Um, yeah, we, we're over those, but that was that was terrible. We've had a good year. We've gone from fires ruining everything to now the coronavirus. So it's going real well. <laughs> Every day seems like something else, but oh yeah. <laughs> so talk to me. What's going on? What do you? I don't even. I honestly I don't even know who I'm talking to you guys. Do you do it? You just started this, or how long have you been doing? Well, we we've been so so Dave is a professional uh, Aussie Rules football player. I don't know if you've have you heard of Aussie Rules before. Of course. Yeah, so so Dave plays for a team here called Essendon. Um, they're obviously not doing much at the moment. Um, uh, Twelve years I've been there for, so it's been a yeah pretty good career. It's, we're similar similar span to like the NFL, but we don't go to college or anything like that. We come straight season. out of high school. This is the season right now. Yeah, so we started. We're meant to start similar to baseball. We start sign at kind of end of March into April, right. and then we play through to September. So. We played one round. We had one game, and then the season got shut down. So we played one game without fans, stadium empty, and then uh, and then now we're off until yeah, probably May or June. How many, how many seats does the stadium have? Uh, the maximum has a hundred thousand, and then they vary. The minimum is probably fifty, forty-five to fifty. Nice. Yeah. So, but it was yeah. We played in front of empty stadium. So, and we we play similar to the NFL where we have uh, we have twenty-two game season rather than say a 16 uh, right. and but yeah but we're, we're completely locked out of the of the club at the moment it's fucking crazy staying in shape or what are you doing yeah so i had a session this morning um and uh yeah we got we full program we got sent through so they can they can still talk to us and liaise with us and we have meetings right. pretty much every second day so they um they keep on top of us but some guys are going crazy because they live in apartments that can't really do much where other guys live in a bit of an area where they can get out. So it's kind of, right. yeah, it's, everyone's a bit different. That's oh, yeah. tough shit, man. This whole oh, thing yeah. Is- <laughs> uh, this is our first Zoom or video-based one. We, uh, yeah. in, we're, usually, we're usually interviewing people one-on-one and then have to wait for people to come to, to Melbourne to visit us. But uh, we, actually had, we actually had an LA trip planned yeah. and we were going to hit you up to do one in person, but man, who knows when that's going to be now. I've been trying to get there for 30 years. It's like, uh, <laughs> I'm not even joking. Australia is, is weirdly like my favorite place I've never made it to. And I've way before Crocodile Dundee, I was a Paul Hogan show fan, which you guys probably don't even know that show. But I was watching that as a kid. All I wanted to ever do was go to Australia. I was supposed to go like my junior year abroad, but I had some girlfriend in college that talked me out of it or something. <laughs> and uh, my brother, my brother was a lawyer. Is a lawyer. He lived in Melbourne for two years, so I never even made it to visit him, which is nuts. And wow. I wanted to go to the Australian Open tennis um, this year, and that didn't happen. Either. So someday well, I'm going to make it. Well, when you do, you can come and uh, join us on the podcast in person, or when we come over there, we'll get you back on. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a double. Well, we're we're pumped to chat to you about Entourage. I mean, um, uh, I know we've we've had some interactions online. Yep. Uh, you and I, we've and and Dave, we we uh, my I have an advertising agency that's called Head On, which I named okay. after the nice. first film that Vinny Chase was in. Um, 
Yeah. So, so, uh, shout out to you. There's a bit of a homage to you, uh, with my business that's been running for 10 years now. Appreciate that. Well, 10 years, time's flying. I know, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to jump straight into Entourage chat. I mean, I, I know that the story of Entourage came from, um, Mark Wahlberg wanting to make a film or make a uh, TV show about this. Is that right? I mean, kind of his manager, uh, is, was my manager and he was a friend of mine from college and really there wasn't much of a story. It was, I went to lunch with, with Steve, his name is, and he said, I want to do a show about Mark and his friends called Entourage. That was the idea. There really wasn't much else to it. Mark had followed his friends around with cameras and they were like a funny, crazy crew that you can see more Wahlburgers and things like that. But that was kind of the idea that, that Steve came to me with. And I kind of, you know, my first instinct was I don't like it. <laughs> and it's just a ridiculous <laughs> idea to watch a bunch of guys live off another guy. But uh, ultimately, uh, I remember that lunch, weirdly enough. But Steve said, go home, you'll figure it out. And I didn't have a job anyway. So I sat down and I started thinking about it. And I really kind of, you know, I, I kind of used my interpretation of Mark's life and then kind of melded it with my stories and my friends. And that's kind of why uh, it became a New York-based Hollywood show than Boston, which is Mark. But um, that's, that's where the initial idea came from. So what, what, was, what was it about it that you didn't like? Was it just the fact that it was those... Well, well the- I'm not an entourage guy. So, I mean, it was tough for me to figure out. I never really understood why guys want to be in, in a crew where they're fucking loser hanger-ons and stuff like that. I never, I never got that. And I have tons of friends. All my friends are, are basis of the characters in the show and their names were in the show. But I wouldn't live with any of them at, at 30 and I wouldn't hang out with them that much, you know? So it just, it seemed a little uh, whatever, but ultimately my thought was how it can be a, a family and how they can really be brothers because in, in Mark's case, it wasn't, you know, his crew was not his real brother. Like a lot of people thought Giant Drama was based on Mark's yeah. brother, but obviously he wasn't because Mark's brothers are all successful and do their own thing and none of them live with him and stuff. So um, I see my dog roaming around alone outside. I'm not sure what's happening. <laughs> Sorry. All right. That's all right. Sarah! Sarah! Sorry. Are you living in the onesies at the moment? What's going on? Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, this, one company, on. this company, One Piece, sent me them and they're, and they're great. And uh, I walk around when I, when I have, which has been like once in the last 10 days, when I walk the neighborhood, people think I'm fucking crazy, which I like. So, um, <laughs> well, on that, so on your social media being put in that you're going to wear it, have you actually kept it on or behind the cameras you've taken it off like, have well you- i mean i have a bunch committed? of them but i've been wearing it pretty I, i've been wearing it you know i wash them and i wear them <laughs> I mean, <laughs> because, by the way i shaved today which i swore i wasn't gonna do but i i actually have a pitch for a show uh thursday yep. so about an hour ago i looked like you know an old fucking weird guy but um i've been <laughs> yeah, wearing we it well you're washing oh. the dishes this morning you had the full beard on <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I'm comfortable <laughs> in this, and uh, I've been wearing them most of the time. It's kind of like my my uh, quarantine feel and vibe. So now, just on you mentioned before about um, basing some of the characters on your mates growing up. So, did you have any specific friends you went shit like you're going to be fucking perfect for the show to go on there that you had for years in, in planning? Well, no, not not for years in planning. But when it started trying to figure out the group, I kind of took little traits of a bunch of different people and kind of mesh them together. 
Um, Mark has a Johnny drama in his life, who's a, actually a very funny, entertaining character that's on Wahlburgers. Yep. And there was stuff about him that I just loved when I met him, but there were also elements of a bunch of my friends put into that character as well. So it was kind of like a combination of a bunch of things, you know? And then obviously there were, there were elements of, of Ari that were really me and my wife. I mean, the character was named after my wife, his wife, and my son yep. played his son. And there were lots of stories in that stuff that were taken from my own life. So they all, they all came from various places. But. And, and, and with your son um, being, yeah, Ari Gold's son on the show, were you, were you dad or were you director, writer, um, Doug to him? Were you, how, how'd you go with, uh, with the workplace with that? To be honest with you, it was dad. If it wasn't going to be a fun thing, he wasn't going to do it. I, I really... You know, and, and now looking back, it's weird because he's not involved in Hollywood at all. But the last thing in the world I wanted was like a child actor or anything. But he would come to set and he was just funny. And, you know, him and Piven used to used to talk and mess around. And, and I'm like, he's good. And I, I just put him on tape um, just like any other actor. It wasn't like, here's the role and this and that. He didn't know there was pressure on it. But, and everybody <laughs> just loved him. So his scenes, you know, I don't know how many he did over the years, 10 maybe or something, but they were always, you know, a couple of hours and very simple. And, you know, he got some, I got some calls for him during the thing, like, oh, does he want to come in and read for this show or that? But he, he wasn't going to do it. And he, he hasn't taken an interest in it since. So, What about now? He, that, was a, that was a while ago now that he would have been on it when he first was on it. He'd be an older kid now, right? Like, what is he, a young adult now? Is he still he's cop eight, it? He's 18 now. And uh, I think, I think, he's not interested in the whole acting thing, but I think like at 18, he'd like to be on a TV show. He doesn't want to do anything to get there, but I think <laughs> at 18, it would be a good thing, you know? And, you know, he was on a show where no kids watched it. So it wasn't like he went to school and people were like, you're on that show. Like nobody watched it. That was his age. So. And now those kids, are the, the, well, now he's that age, it's probably a cool thing to go back and watch. Do his friends give him shit? Yeah. And now, and now weirdly enough, like his friends all watch it now, you know, yeah. like a lot of, a lot of younger kids are finding it now, especially in the quarantine. So. So go back to where you, um, you know, you decided you're going to develop this. You took it to HBO. Is that yeah, how it worked? That, that was it. at the time there was really nowhere else to go. I mean, um, there wasn't Netflix, there wasn't Amazon, there wasn't any of that stuff. And HBO was the king, and we really wanted to do um, an edgy show with with language like that. There was really nowhere else to go at that point. So, I mean, you're talking Sopranos were still on at that time on on HBO, The Wire, Six Feet Under, Band of Brothers yeah. was just on. Like some crazy yeah. things were going on in HBO that were killing the game at the time. HBO was like, I mean, I remember the day, you know, we, we pitched the show and they bought it, which seemed like, um, you know, the greatest victory in the history of the universe when it happened, you know, because I had never done anything in TV. Um, Steve um, had never done anything in TV and Mark had never done anything in TV. Mark wasn't even at the meeting, but... Um, we were walking in there with nothing. They bought a script, which seemed like, holy shit. And we walked out of that meeting at the HBO Towers like we own the fucking universe. And uh, <laughs> that was pretty meaningless because it took about two years before they actually let us shoot it. And I probably wrote 25 different versions of the script, um, which funny enough, I just spoke to the guys in the last couple of days. I found the first script that HBO hated that they were like never going to make that I wrote. <laughs> we're we're going to do like a zoom reading of either a scene or maybe the whole script of like this script that, you know, that never was where the characters had different names and they acted differently. And there were 
it's pretty funny. So wow, that's awesome. So yeah. so HBO just your first script you sent through HBO just like no, this is not happening. Yeah, I mean, I remember I was uh, uh, Steve called me and and said uh, and we were like we loved it. We felt like you know, and I'm a very negative person, so usually I'm like it sucks, it sucks. But I was like this. I fucking love this. I can't wait to do this. And uh, he called me and he's like, yeah, they didn't like it. I'm like, what didn't they like? He's like, they didn't like anything. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I mean, it's interesting to look at that script. It's so much darker and edgier. And, you know, Chris Albrecht was the head of HBO, who's the guy who put Sopranos and Sex and the City and The Wire on. And um, he's the best. And, he was like the godfather at the time. He was like this scary character. You're like, you didn't want to like, you know, insult them because he's he got your future in his hands. But he really pushed, pushed me to, to make it fun. I mean, part of me looking at Mark and his crew, they were, they were an edgier group. They would, you know, they were a tough group of Boston guys. And the group, you know, in fact, Dominic Lombardozzi on The Wire, who's a friend of mine, was like the guy I wanted for Turtle. Like I wanted him as Turtle, who's a fucking tough, you know, Hmm. guy from the Bronx. So it was, while it still had a lot of the same humor, it was a lot darker and it was a lot edgier. Chris Chris wanted it more fun and and more light and he was right. So it took some time to kind of uh, remove my New Yorker Sopranos junior attitudes and go, you know what, this has got to be like a fun show. And even though these guys are going to be cool, Yep. They're not the type of guys that are going to go punch people in the face and, you know, and like rob a house. So <laughs> yeah. it, was, uh, it, was, it was different. So. so during this planning stage, um, obviously it's quite a unique show where it's fictional in terms of the characters all have, say, their names like Turtle and um, Vinny Chase and all that. But then you have people play their own personal self. So Tom Brady comes on, plays himself, that kind of thing. What? What, at what stage did you kind of go, yeah, we'll have the mix between a fictional-based show with then real-life characters playing themselves in Hollywood? Instantaneously. I mean, that was, that was part of the initial thing, you know. And Larry Sanders was a big influence on me, if you've ever seen that show. Um, but I, I, wanted, I wanted it to feel so real. And the fact that we had, we had actors that weren't just instantaneously recognizable by face, you know, maybe Piven was, but... Um, I wanted it to feel like they were in the real world and I wanted the real stars to be the real stars, which was, you know, sometimes it was tricky. Like, okay, how are we going to get this guy to play a character, you know, when he's famous, but we, we worked that out and we would debate that. But, it, you know, I mean, on the, in the pilot, we had Ali Larder and, and Mark. Um, so, you know, that was, that was what we wanted from the get go. Now that was tough. The first season, <laughs> it, was, it was impossible to get anybody to show up for the show. You know, it became easier as we went along, but nobody knew what it was. Nobody knew who I was and nobody cared that, you know, Mark was a producer because, you know, what, is, what did that matter to them? They wanted and didn't want to look stupid. So it was hard to get people in the first season, but. Let's talk cameos. Who was the best on-screen cameo that you had during the time? I mean, I don't know. There were so many, you know. I mean, you know, and, and I look back now and it's more like, who was the, what was the best experience I had? And, and you yeah. mentioned Tom Brady. It's like, he was so great and so cool. And, and, you know, um, Mark Teixeira, who's the first baseman for the Yankees, got me, like, got me Yankee Stadium. And we shot in Yankee Stadium. And I had all the guys that I'm talking about from elementary school who have had 
characters named after him on the show and influenced stories on the show. They were all there in Yankee Stadium while I'm, I'm filming and, and owning Yankee Stadium. You know, <laughs> the U2 concert, you know, to yeah. get bond and say happy birthday to Johnny Drama. On my birthday, by the way, I think it was my... my That's one of the most amazing scenes ever for, for a fan. And, and, and so many people don't think it's real, you know, <laughs> which uh, I can't tell you. When I saw the footage, because we shot that, I believe, on a Friday. Yep. And we had, we had no idea. I get a call that Bono will say one line, but he doesn't tell us when. And we just had, again, that was, we were shooting that first season, so we're still nobodies. So the, the four guys are, I, I'm not even sure if Piven's in that scene or not. I don't remember, but the guys are in the Staples Center for a U2 concert. And the fans don't give a shit. First of all, they have no idea who they are. Second of all, they want to see U2. So us trying to position ourselves so the 10 cameras around the Staples Center, because we don't have control of anything, okay. are filming them. We don't know what the cameras see. And I remember I was on a, that T-Mobile sidekick at the time, talking to my camera guys. I'm like, can you see this? He's like, move them to the left, move them to the right. And people in the stands were like, get the fuck out of here. I'm like, shoot the TV show. They're like, we don't care. And, you're actually, uh, you're was, actually in the crowd too. You can see. I'm in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. That was, and that was my birthday, and U2 is like my favorite group. So I was gonna, I would be at that concert anyway. But so, um, so we shot it, and then like the lights are going down, and Bono just goes, "Happy birthday," you know, Johnny Drama, and uh, everybody's like mesmerized by the show, and they, he said it in Spanish, so the guys don't know it. I go, Dylan. He just said it, hug everybody. And like, we're just faking this. So until Monday when the dailies came, you know, which now it would be like instantaneous, digitally, you know, we saw it. I was like, this is insane. This is magic and amazing. So it was very, it was very cool. Is that similar to when you had the uh, episode when that Staples Center watching the Lakers play um, basketball? Was that very similar? Did you just have cameras set up there as well? Yeah, well, that, I mean slightly more controlled and there's yeah. dialogue there and like we can do it over again the guys just sat at the game i didn't know whether the sound would ever be any good but that was far easier than the youtube concert, <laughs> YouTube concert was was nuts what about the klitschko fight you you were there too was that live that looked live yeah klitschko fight was nuts also because uh we had like the ukrainian mob sitting in front of us and <laughs> They would jump on the seats in front of us after every like punch and like the cameras again couldn't see us and we're like uh, excuse me do you guys mind they're like shut the fuck up you know so, <laughs> but uh that was another one of those things just like pulling off magic getting jimmy kimmel in that episode you know jimmy his show was pretty new at that time um and again, Jimmy's my favorite by a million miles of all the late night shows. But at the time, I didn't really even know who he was, but everyone else turned us down. You know, like we weren't, I, and I'm not sure if it's, uh, I guess it's Leno at that point and um, whoever else. But anyway, everyone turns down and it's like, we got Jimmy Kimmel, which is great. And then, uh, you know, at some point I, I added the line where, you know, he's like, I'm on Kimmel. And, and she, she's like, is that, Mo- is that like Molly? Because people <laughs> didn't really know who Kimmel was at the time. And it was funny. And, you know, it was kind of just a lot of the, the luck that came to us of getting someone like Kimmel, you know, who to me is, you know, the best in the business now. And we got him early on was, you know, a lot of things like that came to us that were lucky, you know. So did you get to a point in the show where obviously you said the first season it was hard to get people on? 
Did you get to a point where you were just knocking people back going, we want to be on entourage and you were like, fuck, no, nah, hang on. We got to have a little process here of picking the best people possible for the show. I mean, you know what? To be honest with you, I'm so like, you know, you're a pro athlete. I'm so fucking enamored with pro athletes and stuff. I became friends with a lot of them. Yep. So any of them that asked me to be on, like Russell Wilson or, you know, LeBron, I get a call LeBron wants to be on. What am I going to say? No. So, you know, we'll figure it out. And, um, you know, it's weird because some people are like, oh, you know, there's too many cameos on this show. It's not realistic, which I don't even know what the fuck that means. But like, you know, Mark, we'd have a screening at his house. He'd be like, you know, we'll screen the movie at my house. I'd walk over and be like, Kevin Durant standing over there. Uh, this guy's standing over there. And it's just, that's how, that's how life in that world is, you know? So uh, to me, it was the more the merrier, you know, as long as they weren't just standing there doing nothing, I would get them to do things. You know, LeBron had a real storyline in it, you know, and, um, I'm not sure how much acting he did up to that point. Same with Tom Brady, and it was it was great. So tell us about Tom because I've heard Tom Brady wasn't meant to be on um, for that for that in particular. Well, campaign. I wrote the script because Eli Manning had called me and asked me to to be on the show, and I'm a New York Giants fan. So again, mm. Eli Manning calls. They just beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and he says he wants to be on. He's on. So I wrote a script. Long story short, he didn't call me back after like I wrote the script for Eli Manning, who's not like the most personable human being to start with. <laughs> not at all. And, um, you know, I, I didn't have anybody. And we like, he wasn't calling me back. His agents weren't calling me back. And Mark happened to be uh, around the office, which, you know, Mark, like, you know, the best thing about having Mark was he could go make a phone call and, and get people. So when, when I was freaking out, I'm like, we don't have Eli Manning. I, I don't know who I'm supposed to replace him with, supposed to shoot in three weeks. He was like, what if me and Tom Brady do it? I was like, <laughs> I think that'll probably work, you know? So uh, then we just rewrote the whole script and, and went with it like that. And it was obviously uh, significantly better than it would have been, you know? Yeah, amazing. That's one of my favorite episodes, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, and that was all, I mean, you know, it's funny because some episodes probably took six months to, to write that people don't like. And that episode, I think I wrote like in a day and a half. And, and Jerry was actually helping me write that one, mm -hmm. who's, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you ever wrote anything before that, but he was like, I want to write. I'm like, oh, you write this with me. And that's kind of how we, uh, you know, Jerry's a real Brooklyn guy. And I called him up. I'm like, yo, Jerry, I want you to call your most freaking New York angry Giants fan. Call him up and go <laughs> off the top of his head. What's the first thing you would say if you saw Tom Brady? And we call up. I forget who it was. Jerry calls him up. He's like, Tom Brady sucks balls. I'm like, all right, I'll say that, you know. Meanwhile, I have no idea if Tom Brady's going to be annoyed that, like, we have people saying that. But, he was again, he was so great and, um, you know, amazing Tom Brady moment was 6 a.m. He shows up on the set um, at a golf course. It's fucking cold as shit. You know, usually you don't ask the stars to show up. The guy steps out, he grabs a golf club, and he almost holes and ones it from like 275. And you're like, this is why he's Tom Brady, you know? A freak athlete. He can just yeah. do anything, yeah. Um, now, you said you have, yeah, you have a love for sports stars. Now, one of the cameos that I definitely want to ask you about is season, what, seven or eight, she come on, Sasha Gray. What, what was the go there? What, uh, how did that end up happening? Well, I had seen her in the girlfriend experience and, you know, listen, I'm not bullshitting. I'm, I like porn as much as the next guy. I had, no, <laughs> I, had, I had literally no idea who she was. I had never seen her work, you know, and yeah. <laughs> which is kind of extreme porn and not really my thing. Um, 
<laughs> but she was so real and so good. And it was another one of those things I kind of I, I kind of get obsessive. And it was really Sasha Gray or we're not doing it. It's like yeah. either I'm getting this girl who is a really extreme porn star that does not look like one. And she's a very smart girl and can act and everything, whatever. So that was, it, it was either that or bust. And why I love that so much is because so many people, including my friends who were degenerates who love porn, didn't know who she was either. And, and it was like, you know, the internet was just starting, but people didn't believe it was a porn star. And people were like, why don't you get a real porn star? Why don't you, you know? And I was like, why don't you go look up her work and you'll see her <laughs> real porn stars. But uh, you know, I loved her. And by the way, she's, she was so great and cool and professional and like hard to, hard to kind of actually be in a room with her and believe she does what she does. Cause she just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't feel like it. And that's why it was cool for the part too. One of my, um, one of my favorite scenes, uh, in, in Entourage is a scene where Ari goes in and fires a, a mailroom boy thinking he's an agent and yeah. you were a mailroom guy starting out. Did you, was that, did you write that scene with yourself in mind? I mean, I can't even remember at this point, but you know, I had a, I had a bad firing at the agency as well. (laughs) Well, tell um, us about that. (laughs) You know, I wrote, you know, I did that Ari Gold book, you know, the gold standard. So I I wrote this story as if it was Ari's in the beginning of the book. And uh, I'd have to remember, but it was, I was in the mailroom at New Line Cinema and, um, you know, um, it's weird. After playing an all-night poker game with Scott Lavin, who Scott Kahn ultimately played Scott Lavin. Scott Lavin was my friend from college. So the real guy that I named a character of 10 years later. This is, 2000, this is 1992, probably. I'm in the mailroom at New Line, and I played an all-night card game, and I got to work the next day, and I was exhausted. And I was the mailroom guy, and I was pushing around my mailroom cart. <laughs> like the vice president of New Line Cinema, and I don't remember her name. She came storming out of her office and like ran into me and my cart with her coffee and spilled fucking hot coffee on me. <laughs> and she goes, what the fuck are you doing there? And I go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and like, I look around and I see like everybody's looking at me and I, I just remember, I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating something, but I remember just being like, I, I guess I'll just leave. And I, I, got in the elevator and I left with no job and no money. And I remember like being in that elevator going, my fucking life is over. I just like told the, you know, the head of new line, like number four in charge of new line center to go fuck themselves basically. So that was my thing. But the mailroom thing probably came out of something from that. Remembering the way, the way people were treated at these agencies, at these studios and things like that. So now I've noticed uh, from following you on Instagram that you, you are, uh, love binge watching your, your TV shows. So I've, yeah. I've got a, I've got a, a bit of a binge or cringe segment for you where I want you, I want you to tell us if this is binge worthy TV or if it's, or if we should avoid it at all costs. So I've got yeah. a list here for you and, and you might not have, uh, tell us if you haven't seen any of these. And then I want you to add some more if you've got some more. So we're all in lockdown right now. Tiger King. I mean, you know, obviously, obviously you watch it. I mean, I'm a big animal guy and, you know, like I fucking kill a human before I kill the tiger, I swear to God. <laughs> but obviously it's very um, entertaining in a, in a train wreck kind of way. But yeah, I watched it in like two days. So. Yeah, so that's binge, binge ready. All right, good. Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl was a great show. 
I mean, I, I haven't watched it in years, but Josh Schwartz was a, is a great writer. Um, great show. I mean, okay. I, I, I haven't seen it in years, but I would definitely tell my kids to binge it now for sure. All right, binge. Yeah. The Wire? I mean. That's one of the greatest shows ever made. Top five, top five error. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And perfect for now. Yeah. Because all the time. Yeah, because The Wire is a, you know, The Wire is a complicated show. It's not, a, it's not an easy watch and it's not, you know, light and you're not going to be texting and watching it and have mm. any idea what's happening. But, but genius, genius. And, you know, The Wire, it's a good thing. When I pitched Entourage, I had like a, I had like a one sheet, you know, of my pitch. You know, just to, to compare me to David Simon, my agent, who I think represented David Simon, he sent me David Simon's pitch for The Wire, which was like an 85-page novel that seemed to have every single moment of everything. And when he sent me that, I was like, I, I'm never going to make it. I can't do this. This is not even possible for me to even think this hard. Because, you know, the way, the way I write is like I make it up as I go along. I don't fucking have a plan for nine years, which, you know, is tricky because most shows today, you better. But uh, I had no idea where that where Entourage was going, and David Simon seemed to have it all down at the beginning, and it's brilliant. I mean, everyone should watch The Wire, you know. Definitely. All right, definitely binge then. The Bachelor or Bachelorette? You know, it's it's embarrassing. You know, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I never watched reality TV show till my my new girlfriend, um, and uh, you know, we have a bachelor party here every Monday night, but. <laughs> During the quarantine, because I've never seen it till last year. I watched like season one or five, whatever it was. I like it. You know what? It's it really it it gets my mind going. You know, it really gets Love Island is mm. freaking good. And yeah. Love is Blind is really good. <laughs> Damn, you guys we have, watch that? Yeah, we have Love we have Island. our own versions of The Bachelor here and Bachelorette. So maybe you need it while you've got some time. Maybe you can I should probably watch that because I do. I love Australians, so I should probably watch that. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Love Island, Love uh, Temptation Island. We've got all yeah. that shit here too. So, yeah. and, and they're the most popular shows on TV. We haven't had one cringe yet, so this is very good. Peaky Blinders. Great. Yeah. Great. Yep. Ball- Ballers. I have never seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. literally never seen it. I'm sure with everyone involved, those are lots of my good friends. I'm sure it's great. I've never seen it. Yeah, that's yeah. why I put it on the list because I saw there was a bunch of people that you'd worked with on there. Yeah, I'm, um, sure, I'm sure it's good. Rick, Rick and Morty. Great. Great. Okay, yeah. Real Housewives. You know what? <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I watched Beverly Hills like somehow the first season. It was riveting. I haven't seen it since, but uh, people love it. So I'm sure it's... Sure, it's worth watching. I'm not, I'm not, not gonna get. If I get another one of these reality shows on my list, I'm fucked. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I need to get through. I need to get season three of, of Killing Eve right now. So. All right, and the final one I've got on my list: The Apprentice. It'd be interesting to look at that now. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I used to watch The Apprentice every week, so uh, you know, yeah. I, it would be interesting to watch it now. So just on, I want to go back. I want to go to your social media account because. In isolation, your social media account has gone through the roof with the amount of videos you're posting and hilarious, mind you. Are you sourcing these videos or are you just getting mates to send them through to you whenever they get them? People send me stuff now, which is nice, you know, and it's funny because I never never got into this. uh, Instagram was always like for, you know, for myself and my kids and whatever. And, you know, everyone was like, you got to do something with this. You can make money or whatever. I never cared. But it's interesting to see now that I look at so many of the sites that are basically just 
resourcing stuff from other stuff. Mm. So that's what I do. And I'm not trying to really do anything with it. Just, you know, something that amuses me or something that pisses me off. You know, I, I, I had some battles last night because, you know, it's, it's, it's wild to see how crazy people are, you know, and I, I don't have that many followers, but you know, I posted a Trump thing make, that, yeah. that makes him look stupid. Then I posted a Chris Cuomo thing on the other side. And like, you know, everyone on both sides is like, oh, you're a, you know, and I'm not, I'm not on a particular side. I'm just trying yeah. to like, you know, find out what the right thing in the world is right now, you know? Yeah. So I see you do that when you, I scroll through your comments sometimes because they're very entertaining. So you, <laughs> you'll just go back at people on Instagram if you feel like I love, I love Instagram fights. Yeah. I enjoy them. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, now I'm more like, you know, because I, I realize some of them are probably just trolls. So I just like to annoy people now. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm fuck off and, you know, whatever. But it's, uh, you know, it's a scary world because you see how, how easily influenced people are by it. And, and, you know, the truth is both sides of the media are fucking awful. You can't, it's so hard to get the truth of what's going on and what's not. And, and, you know, for me, it's, it's a, an important question, whether this was the right move. I don't, I don't know whether it was or not, you know? Yeah. So just on one of the shows that you missed out, um, Dan was, have you seen the, the loudest voice, the Fox news one? The, the Crow? The, the Roger Ailes. Yeah. Yeah. Russell Crowe. Russell Crow, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that's another one, like just with media and news and see how they how they yeah. manipulate. Is that a binge? Everything. Is that a that's binge? That's a binge. That's it's a you seven like episode, one? seven part. That's a binge. Yeah, it's definitely a binge, you know, and and you know, it's it's um it's crazy to see how that thing rose, but oh, yeah. you know, you can see you can see the other side too, and I have no idea if you guys are liberals or not, and I'm not really that liberal, um, but I'm definitely not a Trump guy, and uh, the liberals are fucking crazy too you can't, yeah, yeah. you can't say anything you know it's yeah. like both sides just shut everybody down so it's, yeah. it's a scary time yeah we got crazy politics here not really into it it's it's not as it's not as not as unbelievable as yours but well, we're had, one of the most unstable countries yeah we've had like six prime ministers in five years yeah, like yeah and i mean you know but you guys have a prime minister who like doesn't think the fires are you know that's just normal course for the day i mean so it's tough and again i'm a, I'm a big animal guy so like me yeah. seeing fucking koalas burning you know exactly. it, it, it pisses me off you know so <laughs> um but yeah it's 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 a, a wild time right now i have no idea what's going to happen i have no idea whether this was the right move or not well you guys are going into summer too so that's when california really heats up with the wildfires and that too doesn't it yeah i mean for the wildfires but God, I don't even know what's going to happen. People have to, you know, leave their house for fires. But, uh, you know, there, were, there was crazy weather in New York yesterday while people are in lockdown. I got friends with no power in New York yeah. and they're locked in their house. So um, it's, it's tough. Well, the, the news from the South even come through that um, had all the tornadoes yeah, come tornadoes. through and, and they're going to leave the house and go into bloody um, community centers and all that where they're now afraid that the virus can go through there. It's ridiculous. It's really, it's really horrible. So. Scary times. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Well, let's let's bring it back to Entourage because that's what's going to keep everyone going right now. The, the most bingeable show, I think, if we're going to have a list, Entourage is the top of my bingeable. Is there, is there any, uh, anything for another Entourage movie coming out or anything you can give us? Uh, no more Entourage. I might no do more? a podcast with Kevin Dillon. Yep, okay. uh, yeah. And, and, uh, but... You know, no, and as I said, we, we may zoom us uh, this script, yep. you know, but that's it. We're not, you know, it was a great run, and uh, you know, those guys, everybody in that in the group is like family to me. But it's, you know, 
Well, how, how come? How come you did do a, a movie after a couple of years later? Then uh, uh, you, I mean, the movie you know, was awesome. we loved it, but yeah. Thanks. You know what? You know, um, I didn't want to, and not like I didn't want to. Like it, it was just like I felt like we were done, and I actually liked the movie, and I know it did well in Australia, better than it did here. But yeah. But uh, but Mark really convinced me to do it. You know, he really convinced me that it could give the whole TV show a second life, and and um, and I'm glad I did it. It was. A, we had a great time doing it. I'm surprised at the reaction. I think the movie is, is if you like the show, it's pretty fucking similar to the, to the movie, but yeah, but well, yeah, you're right. We loved it here in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. It did great. In Australia. It was not well received here. The critics just thought it was, you know, you know, it's weird, this whole me too movement, which I have no idea if, you know, that's going on in Australia, but yep. um, they really turned to like guys talking about women in any kind of improper way had become, you know, like horrifying so um we hit it we hit it right at that moment and the critics just tortured us but um but i i'm glad we did it but it was uh it was it was enough speaking of that you had uh, a character harvey wine guard uh, yeah. you wrote into you and, and i think that got a bit of um well whether it was well, it was basically news it became a bit of news that he was represented in some way in your story how did how did you take that during that time well, it was weird because, I mean, I, I trashed him, you know, on the show because I mm. disliked him, you know, and <laughs> I didn't know anything about his sexual assault allegations, obviously, um, because I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have made a joke about it. But I had him on a, a character on the show because I really did not like him from personal meetings. And then what happened is the first time I had him on the show, um, whatever, we did it and people left. And then... Um, I couldn't figure out, which often happened, I couldn't figure out the next episode. And I was sitting in my office on New Year's Eve by myself and Kevin Connolly called me and told me that he ran into Harvey and Harvey told him he was gonna kill me. He said, <laughs> you know, Kevin Connolly is like, Kevin Connolly is like a battler, you know, like in the show, he'll fight anybody. He's yeah. like, like, he's fucking crazy. I love him. He's like, he's exactly what I wrote. And some people were like, oh, he's soft. I'm like, he's not soft. And Kevin Collins not soft. He's not a big guy, but he'll fucking get on the ground. He'll fight anybody. So I'm like, well, what'd you fucking do? Did you tell him to go fuck himself? And he was like, dude, he's scary. He's like a big fucking scary guy. I'm like, I'm like, so what ex exactly did he say? And he's like, he said he's going to kill you. So, uh, it hit me that night and I wrote this episode where he threatens to kill E after that. So that's where that came from. So he takes a knife and he's like, I'll fucking kill you, which was basically what Kevin Connolly said he said to me. Then after that episode aired, Harvey actually liked it. And then I wrote a script for Harvey after the show was over, which he fucking stiffed me out of half the money for. So uh, I fucking hate him even more. But um, what happened right after the, the, me too thing broke and the Harvey broke. I got a call on my cell phone from like some gossip thing. And they said to me, why didn't you, uh, I thought they were praising me that I, I exposed Harvey as an asshole early, but they said something about why didn't I expose the sexual stuff? I'm like, well, number one, I'm not 60 minutes. Number two, I didn't know anything about it. But, uh, did anyway, you have people, did you have fans on the show think that the actor was actually Harvey? Oh yeah, there's still yeah. there's still people who text me like, why did I hire Harvey Weinstein? I'm like, <laughs> what, do you, what do you want me to tell you? And then that's when you realize how stupid a lot of fucking people are. You know, yeah. I mean, like Harvey's, gonna, Harvey's gonna do that. But the best thing ever. You want to ask me about the best cameo? That was that might have been the best cameo because Cameron had a problem with Harvey 
Yeah. And I got James Cameron. I mean, James fucking Cameron is on the show, which I can't believe we got him. And uh, he told a great story about this fight he had with Harvey, which I don't remember the details, but it was awesome. But at the scene, I'm like, and you know, you, you don't know what you can ask a guy like Cameron or not. I don't know him well. He's on the set. But I'm like, what do you think about saying fuck Harvey, you know, at the, at the end of the scene? <laughs> He's like, oh, great. You know, so, you know, that was, that was pretty awesome. And then in that scene, and I'm embarrassingly blanking on her name, but she had one line, the girl from uh, This Is Us. Is that the name of the show? This Is Us? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> know. You don't know it? It's no. like a huge show here. The, the, I think it's the guy who created Friday Night Lights. Um, uh, yeah, yep. Mandy Moore's in it. Um, I don't know. It's a big show here. Anyway, that girl had one line like in that, in that episode with Cameron. So it reminded me of that. That's funny. That's amazing. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, James Cameron. It's one of the best cats of all time. That was good. That is amazing. Well, was, Doug, Thank you so much for coming on, man. You got it, guys. Appreciate it. Been awesome. Thank you so much. Stay safe over there. Yeah, you too. Be good. Hopefully, I'll get to Australia soon. I'm hoping. And those onesies, all right? Yeah. I'll bring them with me. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) perfect. All right, later, guys. Thanks, Doug. Yeah. There we go, mate. Thanks to Doug for dialing in on that one. Hopefully, uh, that all went smoothly. Huge thank you to Doug. For audio, that. video, point of view. Forever. Huge thank you. And thank you, listeners. Hopefully, you got a lot out of that. Entourage fans, you would have fucking loved that chat. Right. Fully, you, could see, you could see how excited he was <laughs> talking about it. people, but... <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for that thanks to Colonial sponsoring the pod as per usual even during these hard times Colonial are uh, open for business in Port Melbourne if you uh, are in the area you can actually go and pick up some slabs pick up some beers Southwest Sour guys get on this get on that they've got a new sour out as well yes that's what it was called no No, no, Southwest the orange ones you like there's a new one out as well new sour out yes got to get on it haven't tried it yet done Uh, alright guys we'll see you next week done you (laughs) Yeah, you missed that.